The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. My mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, con- all you guys out there this morning. <laughs> I've got my mind on about three or four different things this morning. Welcome to the Sons of Liberty. You have with you... Your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com. And for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face is made for radio. Oh, and the mind that's just all over the place this morning, um, <laughs> right here at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Left side of the page is where Bradley's show was, or not his show. We actually put in a educational video. Uh, the show went on, but uh, Rumble was having some kind of issue with the live feed. I don't know what that was all about, but uh, the topic that he was going to cover yesterday, I think he said he's going to cover today. But the show went through, so if you want to hear that, you can look up Sons of Liberty podcast i believe is what you can do and they have it on gcn you could play it right off there if you want to listen to it uh, but this is an educational video that's up on the left side on the right side is where we're at 
press the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then look for the rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat. We've got some friends over there in the chat on Rumble, and good to see all you guys uh, this morning. We're also streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live, so subscribe to that channel. Also, uh, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. Those guys give us a spot, and we appreciate that very much as well. And then right up under where we're streaming live on sonsoflibertymedia.com, sign up for our email newsletter. You get one of those a day between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, then if you want our ministry mail, you want to know what's going on with the Sons of Liberty each week, you get one of those once a week if you sign up for it at sonsoflibertyradio.com. Okay, sonsoflibertyradio.com. And if you just want to hit one right after the other, there's a Sons of Liberty Radio link right off the, the page of Sons of Liberty Media. Uh, finally, if you would like to keep us out there doing what we're doing, there's a donate button at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty, and we appreciate uh, you guys very much and what you're doing. Now, I um, yes, I'm still a little off balance here because I can... If somebody talks in my left ear, it sounds like they're in the other room, um, and it kind of messes with me. And then I had my mind going in about 50 different directions this morning, uh, so that's why my thought pattern got off of my intro there. Uh, but I've got a couple of videos I'm, I'm going to play for you, and on actually three, and uh, you guys who are listening by way of radio, the video won't matter to you. You'll hear the audio, obviously. But the, the final one that we'll play is the one we're going to kind of tip the show off on because this was this this bystander effect i didn't know there was a term for it but it makes sense uh i picked up on it in reading a book years ago and hopefully i'll remember to bring that to the forefront uh by a guy by the name of david coopley and i think he was some kind of editor w wnd or something like that and um it was a book called the marketing of evil and in it, it was it was talking about this issue of abortion. So I'll try to remember to bring that up when we get to that. But I've got two little videos here that I want to show you, and I've got some new ones that I've yet to upload. So to upload, so I'm probably going to upload those today. I meant to upload them yesterday, and just we had a lot of stuff going on here. So uh, I'll get those uploaded. They'll be the bonus videos in the archive this uh, today. So if you go to sonslibertymedia.com, you look for the uh, the bystander effect article. That'll be the morning show archive, and those videos will be in there. These will as well. This is Dr. Dean Burke. For those of you who have not uh, heard of this guy, uh, he spent 34 years at the National Cancer Institute and confirms that fluoridated water does cause cancer. It's how, it's, you know that old joke? Sometimes people are just going to eat what they're going to eat, and they say everything causes cancer. Well, everything coming out of this system seems to do that. Water, food drugs, whatever they produce, this system is toxic that we're in. Um, this is Dr. Burke, and he's talking about the fluoridation of the water. Check this out. Now, Dr. Burke, your research shows that uh, if all of the United States had been fluoridated, it would mean uh, about 70,000 extra deaths because of cancer per annum. Those are remarkable, impressive, and in fact, rather disquieting figures. Could you shortly describe your research in this field and what results did you get from it? Yes. The 70,000, of course, represents, would represent one-fifth of all the cancer deaths in the United States, twice as many from breast cancer in women and twice as many as from lung cancer in man. Uh, to our studies involve comparing the 
deaths of all persons in the 10 largest fluoridated cities of the United States with the 10 largest non-fluoridated cities in the United States year by year. And we obtained a very remarkable curve, which you can see here perhaps. Here is the fluoridated, and here is the non-fluoridated set of 10 cities each. Before, here's where the fluoridation started. And before this time, both sets of cities were identical. But no sooner had fluoridation started than this curve began to go up. The deaths began to increase so that this effect occurs very promptly within one, two, or five years. Now this, sir, is conclusive evidence that fluor kills because of cancer. It is one of the most conclusive bits of scientific and biological evidence that I have come across in my 50 years in the field of cancer research. Would this then, in your opinion, be the end of fluor in water, in drinking water? It should be the end. And in the United States, it should so be the end by federal law known as the Delaney Amendment, which says that anything found to induce cancer in man or animals cannot be legally put into the food or drink of man or animals. And so, uh, and this is all less than one year old, so that it entirely changes any previous ideas of fluoridation that anyone may have had, because this is the first real indication of an important effect. Now, in, uh, in, in this country, of course, the state of the, uh, the dental state of the Union, the way people's teeth look, is incredible indeed. Would you say that uh, stopping fluor had other effects than increasing the dental problems in this country? Well, I would rather look at it that it would certainly help the cancer death situation in this country, which I'm sure most people would agree is far more important than a temporary benefit to teeth in adolescent children. Now, uh, this, this, you see, amounts to public murder on a grand scale. It is a public crime, it would be, to put fluoride in the drinking water of people. Now, the children of this cameraman and mine, sir, take fluor. Should we stop this immediately? Well, in my opinion, if they were my children, uh, they would not take it anymore. I can only recommend for myself, but I would suggest to you that they stop it. Is there a difference uh, in having fluor in drinking water or administering little fluor pills to children? Well, of course, the little fluor pills are a much smaller proposition than drinking gallons of water per day or per week, as well as taking a bath in it and washing your automobile in it and watering your lawns. That's a very massive thing compared to uh, brushing teeth with fluoridated toothpaste. But uh, our work is immediately concerned with drinking water. What happens to toothpaste, I'm quite willing to uh, let the future studies go into that in more detail. 
There is, of course, you talk about murder, sir, an ethical aspect to all this, a law aspect, an aspect of people's inhumanity to people. What is your uh, idea about how should this be implemented in our society? The ethical aspects of administering poison, as it were, to people. Well, I think this aspect, this murder aspect, uh, clearly indicates a very strong unethical aspect to forcing people to kill themselves. You know, this this ties in to because we've known a lot of this stuff for decades about fluoride and the water. And one of the interesting things about this is he's using a term here. He's talking about putting poisons in people's bodies, right? Uh, that it's murder. What are we talking about now? We're talking about the COVID shot. That, that it, they know what it's doing. Is it not premeditated murder? It's just kind of a Russian roulette style murder. Same kind of stuff's going on. This is with the water. I want to know where legislators, representatives are at in stopping that. Are they anywhere? Nope, they're on board with it. They're just fine. You don't see them making hay about this, do you? You don't see them standing up and saying, hey, there's a real problem here. We got to deal with this. No, they don't do that. I hear this guy's calling it out for what it is. And then this one is, um, this is from uh, Dr. Brian Artis. He was on the uh, Diamond Silk uh, thing. I don't know. Did they, I don't know if they still call that that now or whatever. But uh, obviously, uh, the lady who passed is not on there anymore. Um, but he is talking about what they're doing with the animals and the vegetables uh, concerning these mRNA injections and things. Take a listen to what he's saying. Actually, there's a company a subsidiary company of Pfizer. It's called Zotis, Z-O-T-I-S. Do you know they've already mRNA injected 100 million wildlife in America? I guarantee you they're doing it to pets too. It's only mRNA technology funded completely by Mark Zuckerberg and his wife's foundation. They've been doing it all over the country for the whole last year and a half. Zotis is its name. It's a subsidiary of Pfizer. This is some real sugar, honey, iced tea. It you ain't really lying. You know what's interesting? When I learned about Zotus and this sugar, honey, iced tea, because that's uh -huh. what it was to me. You yeah. know who would? No, do you know who were the only people that knew that the wildlife, deer, for example, elk, for example, were actually being mRNA injected for COVID? It was all the hunters. Hunters. It was being published in hunters magazines. I'm not a hunter. Uh -huh. But hunters were aware the whole time that this was actually being done and it was being published inside their literature. I had no idea. But when I discovered it, I was like, what? Why is no one talking about this? When I discovered it on Staten Island, Zuckerberg and his wife funded a research study. They went out and gathered up 100 white-tailed deer and then PCR tested them all for COVID and then injected them all with the mRNA vaccines from Pfizer with this company called Zotus and then went and did 100 million animals a hundred million doses have been administered at that point all throughout the country and no one knew it and no one's talked about it. What's it going to be like when a hunter goes out and gets the deer and then brings home the venison they think's organic and wild? Uh, wow. It's pretty disgusting, but I would it's be worried gonna, about they're that. They're going to put that in their body when they eat it. 
they're going to they're already injecting mRNA technology into into vegetables, tomatoes, avocados, lettuce, gavi. Bill Gates's uh, foundation is already doing that. And in China, they're already mRNA injecting cattle for our beef supply. Oh, oh isn't that nice to know? Yeah. Yeah, the beef supply is getting it. The meat supply is getting it. And nobody even knew it. That they're doing this stuff behind our backs. Oh, it's for your good. It's for your safety. I'm telling you, the more you centralize a government and the bigger you grow that thing, the more corrupt it is. Why? Because at its heart, man is evil himself. And if he is not kept in check, if he is not disciplined, if he is not whooped into and molded into what he should be, and that's directed by the word of God, he's going to be a wild man. And what I mean by a wild man, he's going to be a lawless man. Now, I don't know, does this concern anybody else? What you drink and what you eat has been polluted? And you know that they know it's not for your good. They're just trying, on one end, they're trying to make a buck. Well, we got this, this waste is left over here. We're just going to stick this in the drinking water. Make a buck off of that. We can sell it to them that's good for their teeth, it's good for their kids, it, you know. You find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of thing. When really, it's going to kill you. Again, I ask, why do we continue to put up with it? This is what this system produces. It is toxic. The world is toxic. Uh, I can't remember the passage. I want to say it was out of Second Tim uh, Second Peter. Uh, but it taught, it uses this language that kind of has this idea of a probably uh, Romney in the uh, in the chat can help me. Uh, but this idea uh, from the Greek that it, there's this kind of toxic cloud, this gas that the people are trying to escape from. That that's what the sense of the world is. Uh, but in any case, I, that was kind of laying the groundwork here. You see very little people. You do see some who are aware of what the issue is with fluoride and they've been speaking out against it. And some of them have got some things reversed in their particular counties as far as how their water's treated, from what I understand. You've got this other, though, 100 million animals. Mark Zuckerberg isn't telling you this on Facebook, is he? Isn't he the guy who just recently came out and said the slack hecklers uh, who are self-appointed, bought and paid for, quote-unquote, fact-checkers? That they just give opinion. It's not really about fact-checking. It's about shutting everybody down. It's about doing that. So, let's get to the main thing. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best. I think I know where this lady says something, and I'm just going to mute it real quick, okay? Um, but this reminds me of what I, was, what I mentioned at the first, and I'll, I'll make mention of it during the show here. Got this video the other day, and this young lady is talking about an experience she had in college. And I just sit here and I thought to myself, doesn't this sound like the very stuff that we're dealing with right now? Take a listen. Sure, why I'm being asked to share the story, but I'm guessing it's because somebody needs to hear it. When I was 16, I went into what I thought was going to be a normal day at biology class. And when I walked in, all the desks were arranged in a circle in the middle of the room. 
And the instructor who had always been a really amazing, loving, kind instructor was super militant, super scary, and just looked at us and said, sit down, shut up. You are not allowed to move, to speak at all. And anyone who does will immediately fail my class. And we were all stunned. I, I get like, just thinking about it because I was a straight A student and grades were really important to me. And I was just like terrified. So we're all sitting there silently, nervous out of our minds. And in the middle of this circle that we were all sitting in, there was one desk. And on this desk was a bowl with a goldfish in it. And he looked at us and he took the goldfish and he put it on the desk and he walked out and he shut the door. And we all just looked at each other, just like, what do we do? You know, like, obviously it violated like everything inside of me to like watch this fish die. And also I heard the instruction. If you speak, if you get up, if you move, you will automatically fail the class. And so we all sat there looking to each other to do something because we didn't want it to be us. And what was a very painful, it felt like an eternity. It was probably like two and a half minutes later. Hannah, Hannah B, got up and said, Fuck, and took the goldfish and put it back in the bowl. And when she did that, he came out and he looked at all of us and he said, look what the world has done to you. You've betrayed yourself. For what? And I think about that lesson all the time because I learned in that moment that I am never going to be that person ever again. That when I see something that is wrong, even if it's just me, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what's right. And I've done that over and over again in my life in very scary situations. But I'm sad for people who haven't learned that lesson because there are so many things that are wrong that if you're too scared to make a difference, you won't make right. That's right. That's a good message. I, you know, you might look at it and, you, and I, I kind of look and I go, these are adults <laughs> in the college class and they're scared to get up, go put a fish back in. Why? Because they might not get the grade. They didn't even think about it being a test. They didn't think, they didn't look past it and say, wait a minute, what's the bigger picture here? Because this guy doesn't act like this. He's doing something. He's testing us. Nobody, nobody took the time to think about that. Even the girl who apparently got up and put the fish back in. By the way, uh, for those listening, there was a little uh, side note here. Um, You've got uh, this idea where, um, uh, forgot where I was going. See, I told you this thing messes with me when my thinking. Um, in any case, you've you've got you've got her driven to do it, and everybody else is still sitting around. But the message is powerful, isn't it? Look what the world has done to you. Look what the world has done to you. Bunch of adults in a class. We'll sit by and by the oh, I know what I was going to say. The, what the thing was saying on the screen was the goldfish could live up to fifteen minutes out of out of water. That's what it said. Anyway, but in there, but look what the world has done to you. Look what it's done to you. 
how many of us have seen videos of people? It can be cops, it can be thugs, it can be anybody or what I know for some people they're the same. They're they're not all necessarily that, but I I, I get it. Where they go and they're just, it's clear they're acting lawlessly if they're cops or if they're these thugs, they're beating up on somebody and somebody else is videoing going, hey, get some help. Get, they don't put down the camera and go help the person. They'd rather, they'd rather film it. And I'm not against filming because I understand that can be used as evidence. I get all that. But I remember watching something like that before. Somebody was being attacked. There were people all around. They were filming with their camera. They were just watching. They were staying away. They were being attacked by you know several people, kicked, beaten, all of that. And I remember watching one guy going through some of these videos, and he said, what's got to happen is you've got to pull that person out of the reality that they think they're in. They think they're in a TV show. And he says, you've got to point them out, you in the red shirt, you in the black hat, you in the whatever. Come help me. You've got to call them out. You've got to wake them up from the slumber that they're in to what's actually going on so they'll so they'll act. That's how we're being trained. We're being trained when somebody's being hurt, you pull out a camera and you start filming it. Is that not what we see? Tell me I'm wrong. That's what that's what we're doing. We're not helping the person. We're entertained by it. We're being entertained by somebody else's harm. Does that sound like something that we should be doing? No. In fact, it's interesting, and I didn't bring this passage up, but I, I want to bring it up first uh, since I just I think I just messed this up. But let me let me open this up. This is uh, and we've we've covered some of this passage too. But stop and think about this right here. This is from James chapter 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and godly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and that doesn't mean homosexual, okay? Just so everybody coming in from younger generations You'll know that's not what that means. Gay clothing and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. And ye not then partial, are ye then not partial in yourselves? And are ye become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? Hmm. So in, in one place here, he's saying you're going to treat one who's dressed very fine. They had a bath. They're well fed. They're well groomed. You're going to treat them a certain way. These other guys, you're just going to kind of ignore. Yeah, you sit back over here. That's the same kind of thing that's going on with the bystander stuff. It's a lack of love. It's a lack of a demonstration of love, which is the, the, the verse that's, that's the motto here for the Sons of Liberty, 1 John 3.18. Loving indeed, not just in word. 
He'll go on and he'll say, you know, you don't look to your brother who's hungry and say, I'll pray for you. Be warmed and filled. No, you, you go and you get him something to eat. Get him something, some food in his stomach. Something to drink. Not fluoridated water. This is how you demonstrate that love. This is keeping from being a bystander. Okay? Now, let me go to um, one of the most prominent places that we can go for this kind of thing. Whether you're a, it's not really a bystander, you're a bypasser, but we've been through this text before as well. And this comes from Luke chapter 10. You guys know it as the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay? So let me back up just a couple of verses here. And, um, and we'll get the gist of what's going on of why this parable is even told. Verse 25 from Luke chapter 10, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, what is that? What is, what is loving the Lord your God with all that's in you and your neighbor as yourself? That's fulfillment of the law, right? That's the first and second tables of the moral law of the Ten Commandments. That's what it is. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. So the guy wasn't on the wrong track. He, he was right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself. You know what happens when man tries to justify himself uh, when it comes to the law, right? He doesn't do so well. Said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Just who am I supposed to be loving on? Well, Jesus has a story for him. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, Jesus is telling a parable. I don't know if this was something that actually happened or if he's just using it, uh, if he's just made up a story so that he can communicate something. I don't know. My guess is, while this guy's probably being attacked and stuff, there were probably people passing on the way already, watching him being attacked and doing nothing. I'll guarantee you that's what was probably going on. Why? Because you got three guys that pass real quick after he's been beaten. That's just my guess. And I'm reading that into the text, okay? That's just my mind working in it. That's not what God said, but that's I can see that there's other people probably passing by while he's getting a beating. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This is a priest. This is one who ministers before God. Saw the guy hurt. You can keep in mind, Samaritans are sort of half-breeds. They're, they're enemies of Israel. Okay, That's how they're considered. And so he passes on by. Because he can't get unclean by touching this guy. right? And then he has to go through all the ceremonies and stuff so he can get his work done. And likewise, a Levite. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, 
and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And then Jesus had a question for this young man. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Pretty, it's pretty simple, isn't it? How many of you dads out there have taken your boys, you know, when they're little? Even when they're little, you know, when they really can't do anything. Uh, but you take them aside and you say, okay, these are your sisters. These are your brothers. I mean, if you've got a big enough family, we can do that. These are your sisters and your brothers. This is your mother. If somebody tries to harm them, you are the man. You are to, you are to be in the way of keeping them from being harmed. You are to be the protector. You teach them that from when they're real little. How many of you guys done that? I know several of you probably have. And it's funny. You, you come in and the boys think that they're actually stronger than they are because you tell them to do stuff like that. And then they, they looking for a place to show that strength. So then you have to start breaking up fights. Uh, but, uh, anyway, you, you see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a place where there is a protection that's given. Well, this is what Jesus is saying. Love does too. It protects. It cares. It has compassion. It's demonstrated. It's not just said. Let's go back to the little illustration here of the young, young lady talking about the goldfish. Would it have done any good? For them to, to pray for the fish to get back in the water. No. Would it have done any good to say, fishy, fishy, jump into the water. Don't you, you're out of the bowl. Get in the bowl. You're going to cost us our, 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 uh, our class here, our grades. W would that have helped? No. Nope. And the same thing's true here. In the story of the Good Samaritan, it's the guy who acted. Not the bystanders, not the bypassers, not the drive-bys. Those were not the guys who helped. Many of you have seen some of the, um, the videos that we did over the past couple of years where you see the tyrannical agents of the state, especially we saw them in New Zealand and Australia, going beating people, pepper spraying them, arresting them, and people just walking by looking for not wearing a mask. For not wearing a mask. Now, everything in us tells us that is wrong. You know, Tim, but we shouldn't be going to... I'm beginning to wonder because the more you let it go on, the more emboldened they become. I want to ask you, when we played the Battle of Athens, how many of you would have opposed George and his gang there of veterans? And said, no, 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 we can't go in there and do that. This guy's the, you know, he's the boss and this is the jail. You can't be blowing up the jail. You can't be going and, and getting that box out of there and counting this out here. Man, you're going to be in so much trouble. Or they could have stood by. And what they believe they fought for, for their country. Just go down the toilet like it was nothing. Or they could have acted. Let me point this out to you. 
The Bible says this again, this is from James chapter 4. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, or do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. And he's talking about, it's, there's nothing wrong with making plans, but you say, we'll fulfill these if the Lord wills it, if he allows it. See, we should not boast as though we have tomorrow, but be dependent upon the Lord as to whether he gives it to us. And then he ends with this, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, what does John tell us that sin is? I know the word, I know what it means, I know it means, it has this idea of missing the mark, but how does John define sin for us? We defines it in his little epistle as transgression of the law. And he's not talking about any of man's laws, that's not what he's talking about, he's talking about the law of God that's been written on our hearts. The moral law, it is transgression of the moral law. How many of you guys have seen some of the videos that used to come out years ago? Uh, they had a thing called the knockout game. You guys remember seeing some of those videos? You had people just innocently walking down the road, and you'd have usually a gang of a couple people that would get together, and out of nowhere, one in that gang would just haul off and hit the person as hard as they could in their, in their face to see if they could knock them out in one punch, many times injuring them severely. Nobody's stepping in. Nobody's stopping them. You know it's good, but you don't do it. How many of you have faced the, the issue this past couple of years with the shots? You've seen coworkers submit to the shots. They knew it was wrong. They knew it was wrong. They submitted anyway. Now they have health problems. Now they have, now they're dead, whatever the case may be. How many of you were tempted to do it? Do you know what to do good and doeth it not? It is sin. Now let me tell you this story from the book, uh, The Marketing of Evil. And I'll try to see if I can pull this up while I'm doing it. But David Kuplian was the author of this. Um... And um, he he was there's there's some great things in there, in that uh, he points out how the sodomites changed the agenda to make them look more normal. I guess I I don't know. It was it was to market them. This was during the Reagan years in the eighties when uh, the big AIDS epidemic came out and this, that, and the other. And of course, all of that got fo focused on the sodomite community at the time. And um, so, but he, that was one of the things he had in there. He had several things that were being marketed to the people. And I uh, dropped that in the chat there if you guys want to read this book. And I'll put it up here as well, just so everybody can see on the video platforms. But one of the things is, is that he talked about the issue of abortion. 
And if I recall correctly, he had a doctor that he pointed to. And this doctor went to, I don't, I don't, I don't know the medical stuff that's going on here, but it's described very similarly to how do you see sometimes in a film where there's like a, there's the gurney and the, the, the patients on it or the cadaver or whatever it is. And you've got all the students and the, the teachers there down around it. And then you've got the upper room that's glass where everybody can see down on them. I guess that's the other doctors looking or whatever. It, it's that kind of a setting. And he said, they, they brought us in to do an abortion. And he said, as they were doing it, that several of the students were physically ill. And he, he talked about how it affected his own mind watching it happen because all of a sudden he was seeing, this is not a blob of tissue. Blobs of tissue don't have fingers and arms and heads and stuff. And he was traumatized over it. Then they did another one. And he said, that one, it didn't bother me as bad. And they did another one. And he says, I didn't even feel it. It didn't have the same impact. See, that conscience is there to spur us on to action. Our conscience is not to be violated. It is to act. It spurs what's in our very core of the, this is part of the image of God. That it's wrong. This is how I can tell you that people who tell me they don't believe in a God or any of this. I can tell you they don't want you violating the law against them. God's moral law. No, they don't want you doing that. There was a little thing that we threw in um, Amazing Grace, the History and Theology of Calvinism DVD that we did. You can watch that for free on Rumble. Uh, if you put that in there, it's on my channel. And um, there was a little vignette we did in there. And the one guy says, well, your truth is, is your truth, and, and my truth is my truth. And the guy's like, what? The guy's playing his game and stuff. And he goes, okay. He said, all right. Well, I'm just going to take this stuff. And he gets a milk crate, and he starts loading up his friend's stuff in his crate. And the guy's like, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm just going to, you know, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And my truth says that your stuff's mine. And he says, you got your keys for your car? And it kind of ends like that. And the guy's looking at him like, are you crazy? But that's exactly what goes on. But our conscience is to spur us on to love and good works. That's what it's supposed to do. But our sinful nature represses that. This is why we need a Savior from sin. Because our sin destroys not only people around us, it destroys us. It destroys us. And this is why we must repent. This is why we must be born again. This is why we must turn from sin and not feed it. I'm going to give you a last one here. You remember that um, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his disciples around the table. And one of the things that, that was going on there was he said, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all looking around going, is it me? Lord, is, Lord, is it me? Is it me? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? All of them had this thing of, could this be me? I, I, don't, I don't want to be the one to betray you. 
And he gets to Judas and he says, is, is it me? And he goes, it's as you said. He told him it's the one who dips his hand in the dish with him. There's a friend who would betray him for 30 pieces of silver, which is what you would pay for a damaged slave, a gored slave, if you will. Like an ox had run him through. He couldn't really do anything. So he does that. And you remember Peter. Peter's got a big heart and a big mouth and often failing with what needs to be done. And Peter says, I, I'm, I'm never going to betray you. Even though the Lord just got out of, you're going to betray me or you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. What does Peter do? Peter goes into bystander effect mode, doesn't he? Isn't that what he does? He gets around the people. He's there with the fire and all. And a little girl comes out and scares him. You're with him. I saw you with him. You didn't see anything. I, I, I wasn't with him. And the guy, you, you talk like a Galilean. I don't know this guy. That's the bystander effect. I mean, that's in essence what it is. Then he's called out a third time and he hears the cock crow and he begins to curse. And he looks up and he sees Jesus. And the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because he had spoken out, I will go with you to the death. And yet, at a little girl's pointing him out, he was willing to deny his Lord. Interesting, isn't it? Mark 14, 27. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. What went on? Here's these guys. I mean, sometimes I just, I kind of, I, I just, I wonder how did you miss it? And then I think of how often I miss things. You guys are there. You saw him take <laughs> five loaves of, fi of bread and two fish and feed thousands of people. By the way, the 5,000 that he fed that you read there are probably just the men. There's probably a lot more with women and children there. You saw him do this. You saw him heal blind people, lame, not Benny Hinn style, okay? You saw them, act, the people knew they were blind for decades. The people knew they were lame for decades. You had you know, kids with demons who would throw them in the fire or throw them in the water. And he would cast the devils out. These guys all saw it. But you know the one thing that they kept missing all along the way? Was what he said he came to do. He came to die. To set the captives free. What he was doing in the physical of healing was what he was, was what he was made for to do in the spiritual, which was bring healing, bring life to the dead sinner. It was to save sinners from their sin. 
what would ultimately destroy them. And so he was smitten. And what happened? All the disciples ran away. All the disciples ran away. But when you go to the cross, you do find one guy there. His name's John. And John is the one disciple who refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, some people, some, per some perverts, have twisted that to, to put Jesus and John in some kind of abominable sodomite relationship. That's not at all what was going on. They've done that to David and Jonathan too. Don't listen to them because it ain't true. But John recognized Jesus loved him. And you know what? We never see Jesus look at John and say, hey man, I love you. Never see that. We do that all the time, don't we? We want people to know. We, we want, through our actions and through our words, we want them to know we love them. But what happened? John is the one who is standing at the cross with Jesus' mother. He hasn't abandoned Mary, nor his friend, Jesus. And as a result of that, what happens? Do you guys remember? In the midst of Christ's suffering for us, in the midst of his humiliation before the gawking eyes of man and the mocking of the Pharisees, he looks to John and he says, Behold your mother. Woman, behold your son. And John gets the idea. He's going to take care of Mary for the remainder of her days. Indeed, it says it take, she, he, took him, he took her into his own house. He wasn't a bystander. He wasn't a bystander. And on top of that, Jesus, the Bible says, became sin in order to make us the righteousness of Christ. Jesus knew what had to be done. Sin had to be dealt with. He looked at it. He wept over it. John 17, we went through that entire passage on a show before. The real Lord's Prayer. Hear the heart of the Son of God as He cries out to His Father to keep those He gave to the Son. Hear His cry. Hear His anguish over what He has to face. If there's another way that we can do this, let's do that. That's who wants to go through that humiliation? Who wants to be nailed to a cross? Who wants to be mocked? Who wants to be stripped naked in front of everybody? Nobody does. And die a cruel death in, that should be given to murderers? Nobody does. But Jesus wasn't a bystander either. He was a doer. I've come to do the will of him who sent me. And what is that? What was it that all of the disciples, the sheep that were scattered, what was it that they did not get, though he told them time and time and time and time again? 
I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be flogged, I'm going to be turned over to the Sanhedrin, and I'm going to be crucified, but I will rise again the third day. They just, Peter out, outright rebuked Jesus over that, remember. But Jesus wasn't a bystander. And so let's look at some application. We've got about two and a half minutes here. If we call ourselves Christians, that literally translates to little Christ. We're, we're not little Christ in the sense of we're some kind of carbon copy there. We are being made to the image of Christ. There's no question about that. But we are his. We are followers of the way, as the New Testament puts it. Should we be bystanders? Should we be bystanders? First and foremost, how often do you have a conversation with anybody where the gospel is injected into that conversation? If you're not doing that, you're being a bystander. It doesn't have to be you're beating them over the head with them. It means that you're injecting the gospel in that conversation. You're a bystander. What about when you see things that are going on, things like maybe we've talked about before? Do you step in? Regardless of the consequences to yourself, in order to show compassion and mercy to someone you might not even know? Or do you refrain from it so that maybe you don't get punched, or you don't get your phone broken, or you don't go to jail, whatever the case may be? If you do, you're a bystander. How many, how many homeless people do you see, or poor people? that you fail to help, that you know actually need help. I'm not talking about those guys who just panhandle out there and, and you know that <laughs> you know that's all they're going to do. Then you become a bystander. What about those of you with elderly parents? Do you see them? Do you take care of them? The Bible talks about honoring your mother and father. If you're not, you're being a bystander in that area. What about in your home? Teaching your wife, teaching your kids? If you're not doing that, you're being a bystander. We'll end with this. Again, back to James 4.17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It is sin. The Bible calls us to repentance. Not to be bystanders. We're to be putting on the full armor of God, right? That means that we've got a battle to fight. We're not sitting on the bench. We're in the fight. Guys, have a great day. Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.